Yeah. Yo. 50 years of hip hop. 50 years of hip hop from Listener Power, KEXP. This is 50 years of hip hop. I'm Larry Mizell Jr. This week, my man Dusty Henry swangs us back to 1996 with the classic DJ Screw Tape, Three in the Morning Part Two. It was the culmination of a movement that Screw started from his bedroom, his trademark chopped and screwed sound, and a unifying moment for Houston's then emerging hip hop scene. In its earliest iterations, hip-hop reflected an amalgamation of local scenes. Of course, there's the East Coast and West Coast mindsets that dominated rap throughout the 90s. But it's not as simple as East and West. You can get more micro. There's the different boroughs of New York that all had their own different styles. On the West Coast, LA and Oakland founded their own identity. The South entered the picture in a big way when OutKast won Best New Rap Group at the Source Awards in 1995. That's when Andre 3000 gave his landmark, the South Got Something to Say speech. Minded folks, you know what I'm saying? It's like we got a demo tape and don't nobody want to hear it, but it's like this, the South got something to say. That's all I got to say. Yeah. Andre 3000 wasn't just predicting a sea change. He was amplifying all the groundbreaking sounds from the southern states. In the Lone Star State, a new sound was emerging. And it slowed things down in the best way possible. DJ Screw was born Robert Earl Davis Jr. in Smithville, Texas, two hours west of Houston. As a kid, his initial ambitions were to be a truck driver, like his father. Then came the landmark 1984 movie, Breakin', an iconic film centered on breakdancing, exposing hip-hop culture to audiences around the world. Sure, the movie boasted an appearance of soon-to-be-famous rapper Ice-T, but what really mesmerized the young Davis? Ice's DJ, Chris the Glove Taylor. On the car ride home from the theater, he kept telling his mom and his friend Shorty Mac about the DJ and said prophetically, I could do that. From that point on, Davis was fixated on everything that had to do with turntables and stereos. When his mom would go to work, he'd immediately start tinkering with her stereo, taking things apart, experimenting, and putting it all back together before she got home. He'd take broken boomboxes, borrowed turntables from local radio DJs and car speakers, and he'd connect them all together in his house. Alongside this more inventive digital medium, Davis started taking piano lessons, learning to play classical pieces from Chopin by ear. His mother was happy to support his new hobby. But one thing she didn't care for was how he treated her records. After he got his hands on them, they'd come back to her all scratched up. Davis's friends started to notice this too. When he'd play a record and didn't like it, he'd grab a screwdriver and start scratching it. Not scratching like a DJ scratch, like dragging the head of the screwdriver into the vinyl to render it unplayable. Scratching. Shorty Mac was the first to joke that he was DJ Screw. But Davis liked the name, and it stuck. (music) 
Screw wasn't the first person to slow down his music. In the late 1970s, Disco Dave was slowing down Miami's booming bass scene. He'd call the tapes drag mixes. The slower pace helped the bass hit even harder. In the early 90s, around the same time Screw started slowing down his own music, Sonido Duenas was doing something similar in Mexico. He began releasing tapes of slow-down cumbia called Cumbia Rebajada, which quickly spread throughout the country. Screw may not have been paying attention to these particular movements, but he did know someone who was slowing down records closer to home. Houston's own Daryl Scott, a DJ and owner of Blast Records and Tapes. He had a reputation for slowing down music in the early 80s. There was also Michael Price, another contemporary DJ who would slow down his music at parties. Instead of records, though, Price was more interested in cassettes. When it comes down to it, attribution of the origin, like anything in hip-hop or any genre, really, can be difficult. Price and Screw were both students of Daryl Scott's music. But by all accounts, Screw finally settled into his own slowed-down style. After a brush with the law, that is. In late 1990, Screw was arrested for attempting to hotwire a car. Well, according to his friends, he didn't really do anything. He was just the one who got caught. Screw pled guilty to burglary of a motor vehicle and served three months in jail. Then he got out and went right back to work. Grabbing whatever cheap gear he could find at Radio Shack, he started to piece together a new stereo system. He also got a four-track recorder with pitch control so he could record his own beats and talk over them. As he toked up during his late-night recording sessions, he decided that up-tempo music wasn't really fitting his headspace. So, he slowed it down. And a little slower, slower. Eventually, he slowed it all the way down. This is what would become his patented screw technique. He then added the other half of the equation, chopping. This goes back to the core fundamentals Screw would have seen in the movie Breakin'. Chopping up the beat on the turntables with subtle scratches and stutters. Put it all together and you get... It was like an epiphany. Screw kept experimenting and eventually recorded a whole tape. He chopped and screw some of his favorite songs, re-envisioning them in a new version, slower than molasses. Remixes like this one from his friends and Houston icons, UGK. He'd dip into other genres too, like his brilliant reworking of Phil Collins' classic, In the Air Tonight. When Shorty Mac heard Screw's work, he thought Screw gave him a busted tape. He called Screw and found out it was intentional. He listened again. Suddenly, it made sense. Thank you. 
Screw started handing out mixtapes to friends. Then his friends told their friends. Suddenly, people were telling Screw they'd pay him for a tape. And he saw an opportunity to really take this further. Screw had moved to a house on Greenstone Street in Houston's Golf Crest neighborhood, which became the center of Screw's whole operation. People would bring their lists with requests for songs they wanted to get screwed, for lack of a better word. There were so many cars lined up outside his house that his neighbors called the police on Screw multiple times, convinced he was a drug dealer. There was always someone at Screw's house, and he was always making music as a part of his collective, Screwed Up Click. It was fueled by rappers and friends with enough liquid courage to try. Guys like Lil Kiki. ESG. And Big Mo. As most things on that last song, Lean was a heavy presence at the Greenstone House and within the Houston scene. Lean is a combination of prescription cough syrup and soda, typically Sprite. It's typically a fluorescent purple, the color becoming synonymous with the genre. Along with weed, this cocktail became their muse. Fueled up and up late, the screwed-up click recorded freestyle sessions into the early morning. One particular freestyle, called June 27, became an instant sensation. A nearly 40-minute-long freestyle, it became one of Screw's most popular tapes. In fact, June 27th is a holiday in Houston, a day for people to blare the mix from their cars. I came through chilling with my boy Screw. You know we popped up in the foreign hoodoo. We came through and we sipping on a drink bar. We coming down looking like players and like stars. You hoes gotta feel her down as you can see. Screw's operations began outgrowing his house. So he made the leap to open up a shop called Screwed Up Records and Tapes. It became the destination to pick up screw tapes. And it also served as a community hub. The store still functions today out of Houston. Throughout all of this, Houston felt like its own musical bubble. After all, this was taking place years before the internet would democratize music. But Screw didn't need the internet. Houston is the fourth largest city in America, and Screw's sound is becoming too big to ignore. It was time to take things to the next level and screw the world. Screw and his team at Big Time Records put their energy into a proper album in 1996. Not just an album, but a double album. Dubbed Three in the Morning Part 1 and 2, they compiled this two-disc set to show the range of what Screw could do. Part 1 featured remixes of songs from some of the biggest names in rap at the time, like Dr. Dre and Ice Cube. There was a problem, though. They didn't get the samples cleared. But the marketing materials and everything had already been made. Instead of scrapping the release, 
they pushed forward with releasing Three in the Morning, Part 2. Three in the morning, still going down. What's up, Ace Town? Southside, Part two was the half that only featured artists from Houston, people who gladly approved the release. It became a proper way to introduce the whole world to their city in the screwed up click. Of course, the album was an instant sensation in Houston, but it also charted on Billboard's Heat Seekers and top R&B and hip-hop album charts. I'm draped up and dripped, I know what I'm talking about. Three in the morning, getting again out the stairs. If you count all of his tapes, DJ Screw has hundreds of releases in his catalog. So it's difficult to pick a definitive release. But between June 27 and 3 in the Morning Part 2, you have the ultimate starter pack. 3 in the Morning hits all the hallmarks of Screw's work. The music is naturally very loose, yet you can feel the polish that Screw put into this album. Like, he knew that it had to represent his city and community. Each track swoons into the next, a perfect, endless flow with Screw popping in and out as the deep-voiced, methodical narrator. Screw kept things going in the years following 3 in the Morning. He kept recording new tapes, remixing and producing his friends' records, maintaining his shop, hardly catching any sleep. Then, on November 16th, 2000, Screw was found dead inside his recording studio. The coroner determined his cause of death as codeine overdose, with other mixed drugs in his system. He was only 29 years old. Paycheck to paycheck, trying to pay the rent. Crackers begging, I'm a slave forever, they got me bent. I'm about to pull a move, about to rob one of them blind. Let me call my partner Zero and see what's on his mind. Screw's death was a huge blow to the Houston community and hip-hop at large. You'll find his portrait and image scrawled across the city to this day. You also hear Screw's influence in new generations of Houston artists, like Travis Scott. His 2018 album Astroworld includes a track dedicated to Screw, titled R.I.P. Screw. Rest in peace, Screw, tonight we take it slow. Meanwhile, Houston DJs The Chop Stars have made it their mission to continue Screw's legacy since 2000 with their Chop Not Slop mixes of new albums. In 2010, Megan Thee Stallion teamed up with the Chop Stars for an official remix of her album, Sugar. The 2016 film Moonlight, which won the Academy Award for Best Picture, prominently features a chopped and screwed version of Jadena's Classic Man throughout the film. Even if she Younger generations are still discovering the sound on their own, even without knowing who Screw was. On TikTok, you'll often find slowed and reverb mixes of songs like The Weeknd. Yeah. 
It's a tragedy that Screw never got to see how far his sound went. From Houston to every corner of the planet, Screw and his community built a movement that became bigger than themselves. In the process, they really did screw the world. This piece was written by Dusty Henry, audio produced by Roddy Nickpour, and big shout to our podcast manager, Isabel Khalili. I'm Larry Mizell Jr., and we'll see you next time on 50 Years of Hip Hop from Lister-powered KEXP, where the music matters. Screw the world.